Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's good, friends and family? My name's Nathan. Great to see you. Everybody watching us online, thanks for crashing a party today. Kicking off a brand new series, like Christmas morning here at Revo, minus the presents and the tree and the decorations and the wrapping and everything. So it's really not a lot like Christmas at all, but we are excited about it. We're launching this new series in the book of Colossians. Here's how I want to open it up. Um, I have totaled two cars in my lifetime. Two automobiles I have totaled. I want to tell you the story about both of them. They're back to back. Um, The first one was a champagne colored Chevrolet Malibu. (whistles) This bad boy was as girly of a car as you could get. And, uh, but my dad bought it for me, so I was thankful. So brand new Chevrolet Malibu. Um, I was living in New Orleans at the time, and I was driving down the interstate 55 miles an hour, and I was in front of a, uh, an 18-wheeler. And I don't like to roll around 18-wheelers because you can't see in front of them or around them. And so I decide I'm going to look over my, to my blind spot turn my blinker light on, probably didn't turn the blinker light on, but I'm telling the story. So turn the blinker light on, obeying all the rules and the law, got over into the left lane. When I got into the left lane and turned forward, I noticed something. All of the cars in the lane that I just got in were at a complete stop, approximately 50 feet in front of where I currently was. You can imagine how that ended. Um, totaled my Chevrolet Malibu, champagne colored, really swanky. Uh, brought that home, told Elizabeth I totaled the car, tried to tell her it wasn't my fault, didn't work. Um, so got the insurance money for it. And uh, then Elizabeth, I, like I upgraded, Elizabeth bought me a 2005 gray Nissan Xterra. This thing was awesome. Very first SUV, have never looked back from it. Um, So I'm driving this in New Orleans. Then I moved to South Carolina, still rocking with it. Moved to Winston-Salem, still driving it. It's got a hood, uh, like, I mean, a a roof rack. I'm not a car guy. Uh, A roof rack, like a rack on the roof that you can put a surfboard on and other stuff, cool stuff. I never put anything on it, but you can. It's there. And, uh, And then it had big tires on it. And so not only was it an SUV and it sat a little higher than all the the commoners on the road, um, so but it had mud tires on this one too. So I was elevated even more. I'm literally looking down at all of the mid-sized sedans and uh, electric Priuses that are driving around me, just openly mocking them. And uh, it was awesome. One day I'm riding down the road and the car completely shuts off. All of the lights on the dashboard start blinking at me, making all kind of weird noises. It shuts off, so I like get this thing over on the side of the road. I get out. I have no idea why I'm getting out, but I'm just like, well, I'm going to look at it. And so I pop the, the thing in the front, <laughs> like not a, not a car guy, pop the thing up, and it rises up. And I'm sitting there on the side of the road, a little smoke coming out. I'm like, all right, well engine's still there, so <laughs> looks good to me. <laughs> Close it down, so I call it to get it towed and uh, tow it to the dealership, and after about an hour, I'm waiting in the waiting room, and the guy comes out to me, and he says, uh, Mr. Klein, do you have a uh, Nissan Xterra here? I was like, yes, sir. He's like, I got some bad news. Uh, your car's totaled. I said, no, nah, man, you, you, there, there must be another 
2005 Nissan Xterra gray in, in, the, in the shop there because this one, you don't understand. This one has a, is it the one with the roof rack on it? The real nice roof rack? Is it the one with the big tires on it that, that, that elevates? She's like, yeah, yes, sir. That's the one. I was like, there's no way that's total. That car is sweet. I love that car. And he said, look, I, I, let, me, let me tell you what happened. Um, there's a crack in between your radiator and the oil pan. And all of the radiator fluid dripped into the oil pan. And when that radiator fluid got in your engine, it locked the whole thing up. And essentially everything underneath your hood, you're going to have to replace. That's the part of the sermon I worked on memorizing the hardest right there, all those car words. So, so it's all good from here. I said, wait a minute now, like, you mean I made him explain it to me again. He's like, yeah, listen, like, if anything gets in the oil pan and, and that oil gets in the engine, it'll lock it. Like, it's over. This thing is total. You're going to have to replace everything underneath the hood, and that is more than the whole car is worth. Like, I'll give you, like, $700 for this thing. Please, man. The hood rack, roof rack is worth more than $700, bro. Uh, but he was not having it. He, he, he totaled it out. Second car in a row uh, that I had totaled. Meanwhile, Elizabeth never totaled a car, and she reminds me of that uh, many, 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 many times. Um, I thought that was a good illustration because uh, the way we're going to see the book of Colossians open up here is uh, this, this church in Colossia started um, by the, a solid gospel message. Man, these people knew the only reason I'm a Christian, the only reason we're a church, the only reason we are together. What, what brings us together here is we know what Jesus has done for us. We know the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We know it is just by grace. That's going to be the big word in the book of Colossians. Paul's going to say that over and over and over again. It is just by grace that you are a part of this team. That's how the church started. But something interesting happened. Over time, the older the church got, there were some people that came into the church that started to mix messages a little bit. Because the church started with Jesus is enough. It's only Jesus. The grace of Jesus in your life is the only thing that bridges the gap between you and God. But then there were some other people that came and said, it's like, uh, I don't know about that. Now, now, Jesus started it, but there are some things that you and I are going to need to do in order to get this bad boy across the finish line. Being a Christian and, and going to heaven when you die is not just about knowing Jesus, these guys were saying. No, no, you, it's other things too. It's, it's not just Jesus, it's Jesus and. Right? It's, it's Jesus, listen, listen, if you really want to be a Christian, you got to do Jesus and you can't drink, okay? It's the rules, can't drink. It's Jesus and no rated R movies, okay? Except Passion of the Christ. We'll let that one slide. That one's rated R. Everyone else though, no, 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 you can't do that. It's Jesus, and uh, you got to make sure you go to church every Sunday. You got to make sure you give, and not just give, but it's a certain amount, right? And then you got to pray, and you got to make sure you're reading the right version of the Bible, and, and like all these traditions, and all of these hooks and loops, and, and everything they said, Jesus is good. Jesus gets the party started, but in order for your life to rake it to heaven, in order for you to get to the finish line, there are some things that you need to do. There are some things that you need to add. And just like there was this crack between the radiator and the oil pan that ruined the whole thing, Paul's going to show us that, man, there's some cracks in the church that all of a sudden this new thought about Jesus not being enough is starting to get in the mix of what you guys are doing, and it's going to shut everything down. Like, you got to understand, like, it, it's Jesus, and it, you don't need anything else. 
Like that's what your relationship with God is hinged on. Like nothing needs to be added to any of that. It's, it's not Jesus plus you have to do a bunch of stuff, be a good person. Hopefully the good outweighs the bad by the end of your life. Nah, it's just straight up Jesus. Paul begins to hear that there's some guys that have got into this church and, and that they're teaching the wrong thing. So Paul writes a letter. As you saw in the video, Paul was in prison at the time, but that didn't stop him from writing a letter to this book in the city of Colossia that was struggling with this idea. They began to think that Jesus is not enough. In my life, for my life, to get me to God so that I can have a relationship to God, to get to heaven when I die, it, it has to be more than simply this gift that Jesus gives. And here's what began to happen. You see this in life today. This happened in the city of Colossa. <clears throat> but people began to work hard to try to earn their way to God. You want to talk about something that will leave your battery on empty, that will just straight up wear you out. If you spend your whole life trying to get, earn, deserve your way to God, if you start to focus on good works, man, I gotta make sure I do the right things and say the right things because if not, God's not gonna love me and God's not gonna accept me and I can't be on team Jesus and Jesus opened up the door but I've gotta push the ball down the field the rest of the way and ultimately finish it. I want you to understand something this morning. The whole book, we gotta lay this out. The Christian faith is built on your ability to understand what we mean when we say the word grace. If you don't know grace, you're gonna to totally miss everything Jesus did, everything that Jesus stood for. I'm gonna argue with you like at the end of the service, if you miss grace, there's no way you're ever gonna to get to heaven when you die. No way, 0% chance. If you don't understand this concept, that's how important it was for Paul that he would talk about this, hone in on this topic of grace. So for the next few weeks, we're gonna go through the book of Colossians together, put you a bookmark in the book. Um, if you wanna open up Colossians 1 right now, if you don't know where it is, that's fine. Turn to the table of contents. It's just like four pages in, in my Bible. If, if you have this Bible, it's on page uh, 1075. I don't know if you have this Bible, the black one, um, but it's on 1075. I don't know what page it is in your Bible, but flip to it in the app. You have the Revo app. You can open it up. All the sermon notes will be in there. We're going to look at the book of Colossians together for the next uh, few weeks. Uh, scholars tell us, this ought to be encouraging to you this morning, uh, scholars tell us that the book of Colossians is one of the most confusing books that the Apostle Paul ever wrote, right? Aren't you glad you're here today? One of the most confusing uh, books that he's ever wrote. In fact, um, Peter, one of, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, Peter wrote something specifically about Paul's writing. Uh, Peter wrote two books in the New Testament, First and Second Peter, very unoriginal language, uh, but name. But in, in the book of Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 16, we read what, what the apostle Peter says about Paul. He says, we know that Paul has written you some letters. Peter writes in his letters, hey, I know that Paul wrote some stuff and you guys got a hold of it. And here's what Peter says in the verse. He's like, when I read it, I am extremely confused. <laughs> really, like Paul, I, it feels like Paul graduated from Harvard and he forgot that we were fishermen because Paul uses words that I don't even, I've never even heard of before. Like, what is this? C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, out of all the gifts that God gave the apostle Paul, the one that is not one of them is clarity. Very hard to, to understand sometimes what Paul 
is saying. So here's what I want to do over these next few weeks. I want to take the cookies and put them on the bottom shelf so that we can all reach them, right? I want to make sure we can understand it, even though it's difficult, even though it can be confusing sometimes. As we're reading the book, maybe you're scratching your head a little bit, like, what does that mean? What did he mean by that? I'm going to try to explain it because this is it's so important what Paul tries to talk about when he outlines what it really means to have a relationship with Jesus and to understand what grace is. You ready for this? Chapter one, verse one. Here's how Paul starts the letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father. Now, you might be tempted just to read those and just kind of gloss over them because we're like, you know, we, we know what those are. It's the intro, right? It's the, it's the, the dear whoever book. This is, tells us who wrote the book and who he wrote it to and where they live and who's with Paul, right? You read that and you're like, all right, you're like, like, can we just skip to the good part? Like, let's get on down to it. But even in the introduction, Paul is trying to say something about this word grace. He's trying to help this church understand, to combat some of the things they're hearing and understand what he's trying to say when he talks about grace. Here's the first thing that I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, here's the first thing you gotta understand about grace. Please don't miss it. The entire Christian faith lands on this. When it comes to grace, number one, you cannot earn it. You and I cannot earn grace. When you look at those introductory verses, I want you to look at the titles that Paul uses. When Paul refers to Timothy, what does he call him? He said, Timothy, my brother. Now, were, were Paul and Timothy brothers? No, they were not. They were not related at all. In fact, Paul was more like Timothy's pastor. He was his, his life coach, his spiritual mentor. He was not his brother. And then when Paul addresses the church, what does he call them? He calls them brothers and sisters. Paul's never even met these people. Never met him before, never been to Colossae before. Like, what, why, why is this guy calling us brothers and sisters? And this is the very first time that we're ever hearing from him. And then finally, when he talks about God, he uses another familial name. He says, God is our father. God the father and we are all brothers and sisters. Why in the world would Paul open up a book with this kind of family language in it? I think I know why. Because you can't earn your way into a family. He's laying the groundwork right here. You need to understand, you are a brother and a sister. You have a family of faith. You are in God's family. He's your father. And heads up, you did not earn your way into this family. You can't earn someone's last name. There's only three ways that you can get into a family. You're born into it, you're adopted into it, or you marry into it. That's it. Like, we're not going to have a competition after the service that's like, all right, every, anybody wants to be in the Klein family, like, we're going to have an obstacle course outside, and whoever can get through the obstacle course first, when you reach the end, then you are a Klein. Change your last name, you earned your way in. It's not how it works. Legally speaking, culturally speaking, you cannot earn your way into a family. And just with these little titles, Paul says, I want to remind you, you are here by grace. All of us are connected by grace. You did not earn it. Like it, it. It's not like you worked hard and you put in your time sheet and God checked him. He's like, yep, you're, you're in. Great. Thank you so much. You earned it. You earned your way here. 
So these people are trying to, to teach others in the church that you actually earn your way to God. You do the right things, you say the right things, you put in the time and the effort, like you check all of the boxes, and if you do all of those things, then you're a Christian. Then you can join this family. But Paul says, man, you, just, you need to understand, the only reason you are sitting at this table is by the grace of God. The only reason you are here, the only reason we're connected in this faith family is because of God. See, God adopted us into his family as sons and daughters when we believed on the name of Jesus. When we knew who Jesus was and what he did, that he died for our sins and that we were saved by, by his sacrifice, we were then adopted as sons and daughters. That's the only way we got in. We did not earn it. All of this talk of grace Paul says, I know, I know there's some guys that have been telling you that you gotta earn it, that you gotta do the right things and say the right things and give the right amount of money and check off all the boxes. Some people have been telling you that, but I'm here to tell you, man, that's wrong. It doesn't have anything to do with how God feels about you and your relationship that you have with him. You cannot earn your way into a family. Therefore, grace is not something that you can earn. We are all here just by the grace of God. In verse three, he continues, he says, we always thank God. Me and Timothy, when we're together, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of God's people. The faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit. It's producing results and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. And listen, and you truly understood God's grace. Paul says, you know, man, people's lives all over the world are being changed by God and you're just one church in Colossae and, and, and remember the time that your life was changed by Jesus. Can I, can I just remind you of something? Paul says, the only reason that is there is because one day you truly understood grace. The moment that you wrap your mind around that word grace is when your life changed. Second thing I want to ask you to jot down is this. When it comes to grace, number one, you don't earn it. Number two, you don't deserve it. You do not deserve the grace that God has given you. I don't either. We don't earn it and we don't deserve it. I guess this would be a good time in the service where uh, we might need to clarify what grace actually means. <laughs> Because in today's culture, I believe we get three words confused. Uh, we use them interchangeably. Maybe you don't know the difference and they're, they're really close together. But, but there are three words that I want to I throw on your radar that I want to talk about this morning just to clarify things. Here's the three words that I think we get confused. Um, we get uh, justice, mercy, and grace all confused. We use them interchangeably and we don't get it. And I want to let you know, like, God is offering you grace. He's not offering you justice or mercy. The gospel is a message of grace. Here's the difference. Here's, here's justice, if you want to know the definition. Justice is getting what you deserve. Justice is all about getting exactly what you deserve. I've noticed something interesting about justice. I know justice is a buzzword in our culture right now. You know something interesting about justice? Uh, justice is something that we always want for other people and never for ourselves. <laughs> like if somebody does us wrong, you know what we want? Justice. I want them to get justice. When we do something wrong, last thing I want is justice. 
Like, no, no, like, like justice is when, when, when you do something, you get exactly what you deserve. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want what I deserve. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The justice for sin is death. Anybody want death? Anybody in on team justice? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I don't want that, but it's interesting. We want, ju- we want other people to pay. We want other people to get what they deserve when they do wrong against us, but we don't want justice. That's not what the gospel is talking about here. It's not justice. Maybe it's mercy. Second word, if you you don't want justice, maybe you want mercy. Mercy is deserving bad things, but not getting them. Justice is what you want when you're driving down the interstate. Tell me you've been here before. And you see a car fly by you on the left-hand side, and they're going like 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Justice is when you say, man, I hope you get a ticket. I hope when we go over the hill, there's a cop at the bottom of the hill and they get you with the radar gun and they pull you over. And when they pull you over, I'm gonna roll my window down and I'm gonna wave and blow my horn on the way by. That's justice. But look, when we're, when we're driving fast, not y'all, but when other people are outside of this room driving fast, I know y'all would never do that. But when, when other people break the law, now if, I'm, if I'm speeding and I come up over the hill and I see a police officer at the bottom of the hill, justice is the last thing I want. <laughs> I want mercy. Because here's what's gonna happen. You're going to get pulled over by that police officer, and he's going to knock on the window and say, Sir, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm going to play dumb and say, No, sir. <laughs> and he said, Well, if you can see on the radar gun here, you were going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. You got caught. You were doing the wrong thing. You knew exactly what you were doing was wrong, and you got caught. You got caught. It's on the radar detector. Like, there, there ain't no getting out of it. What do you do at that moment? Well, give me what I deserve, sir. No. I started begging for mercy. And I'm saying, no, no, obviously, please. I, I, listen, I will never do this again. Um, I, was, I was distracted. I was texting. I was eating a sandwich. Like, don't say that because you're going to get a ticket for that. Like, sorry, sir. I, 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 please forgive me. Please. Just, will you just give me a warning? I know I got caught. I did something bad. And I deserve something bad. But will you not give it to me? Will you give me a warning instead? Please don't give me a ticket. Let me get off this one time. Let, let me just get by this one time without a ticket. That's mercy. But grace is something totally different. Grace is getting good things that you don't deserve. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus has done for you. It's not just avoiding bad things, but Jesus gives you good things that you don't deserve. You did not earn it, and you do not deserve it. That's, that's what grace is. Paul actually says, listen, when you understand that, when you understand that every part of your life is grace from God. That every part of your life is something good that God has given you that you do not deserve. That your salvation in Jesus is all the gift of grace that comes from God. That will change your life. When you realize that God loves you not based on how good you are or how many religious boxes you check or if you get to the end of your life and the good outweighs the bad, when you realize that God loves you regardless of what you do, That'll change your life. When you realize that God has a good gift for you, despite you not deserving it, when you wrap your mind around grace, that'll change your life. God does not love you based on how good you are or how bad you are. His love for you is unconditional. And when you realize that, Paul says, man, I hope some of you grasp grace. I hope you understand it because it's in that moment that your life change. Grace is, is make or break. If you don't get this, please understand. If you don't get grace, 
you don't get heaven. So I'm a pastor. The Bible tells us that when we die, uh, everybody is going to stand in front of God one day and give an account for our lives. I'm going to give you a cheat sheet, okay? Please take notes on this. I don't want you to fail this test. One of the days when you die, we're going to stand in front of God. And if God looks at you and says, why should I let you in here? Please do not say, I was a good person. You will be on the outside and we will be on the inside. Don't say that. Don't say, well, God, I did the right things. Well, God, I was a good person. Well, God, I was very generous. I was kind. I, didn't make, I wasn't perfect. But when you put my life on the scales, like the good is going to outweigh the bad, and because I earned it, then you should let me in. Or because I'm not a killer, or because I did a lot of other bad things. A lot of other bad people did a lot of bad things on earth. I was not one of them. I kind of deserve it, God. Like I went to church every day. I gave. I read my Bible. I was kind to people. I didn't lie a lot. Cheated on my taxes only a couple of times. The good outweighs the bad, God. That's how I should let it. Look, if that's your answer, heads up, you're not getting in. There's only one correct answer to that. If God looks at you in the face and say, why should I let you in here? You say, Jesus. The grace of God through Jesus Christ. That's the only reason I'm crossing this threshold, God. (laughs) Do, Do I deserve to be in here? No. Did I earn it? Do I do good enough? Did I do enough? Absolutely not. God, here's why you're gonna let me in. Your word says that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, your son. Hey, don't, don't, don't fail the test, man. If I were to ask you, if you died right now, do you know if you would go to heaven? And I said, why? If your answer is anything other than Jesus, you ain't going. Don't miss it. You miss grace, you miss the whole thing. You missed the whole thing. Paul said, man, I'm gonna write a whole letter about grace because I don't want you to miss it. Anybody tell you that it's Jesus and something else is wrong. You add anything to grace, then it becomes anything but grace. You cannot earn it and you do not deserve it. Last two verses, he says, you learned about this grace. You learned about this message, like this good news that changed your life. Uh, You learned it from a man named Epaphras. Our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Last thing Paul tells us about grace, you don't don't deserve it. Uh, You cannot earn it. Uh, Here's what you got to realize. Number three, grace is a gift. Grace is a gift. Therefore, you you can't earn a gift. Uh, If you earn it, that's not a gift. That's a paycheck. Uh, You don't deserve a gift. Uh, It is just freely given to you. Grace is a gift. But there's a catch to it, ready? There's there's always a catch to a gift. In order to receive a gift, you have to receive it. You gotta take it. I could buy a gift for you, and I could wrap it, and I could bring it to you, and I could stand in front of you and extend my arms out, but until you take it, you won't have the gift. When you realize that grace is a gift, Paul says there was this man named Epaphras that showed up one day and started telling you about who Jesus was. And here's what he did, and this is what we do every Sunday. Epaphras was wrapping a gift. And by the end of the message, Epaphras said, you want it? I just told you who Jesus is and all he's done for you and how God loves you, and all you gotta do is accept the gift. Do you want it? And they wrapped the gift, and, and if you realize the only catch to a gift is you receiving the gift, then you gotta make a decision. Are you gonna receive it? Will you accept it? 
I can tell you about the gift all day. I can show it to you. I can let you listen to it and shake it and hear it. But will you take it? Will you accept the gift that God has for you? Only one catch to the gift. You've got to be willing to receive it. You've got to be willing to, to take it in. I was walking around the mall the other day, and it was lunchtime, so I walked over to the food court. And almost every business had a person that had samples out on these little silver platters. And they were, they were trying to get you to take a sample so that you would take it and taste it and, and think, man, that's really good. And for you to get in line and order food from there. Um, so it's just like, you know, hundreds of people walking around, um, samples and like, I'm not trying to get COVID. So I'm like, I'm good. I think I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> but every one of them, every time I'd walk by, they would, they would extend the gift. They, they'd put the platter and they'd be like, sir, do you want to you try some honey chicken? It's like, no, nah, I think I'm good. And I walk to the next place and say, hey, sir, piece, piece of pizza, slight little, little, little corner of pizza to try? No, nah, I think I'm good. And what I'm afraid of is that it's the same way that we treat the gift of Jesus. Because scripture tells us that, that every day God extends his grace to you. You want it? You, you got to pick it up. But too often people just look back and say, no, I think I'm good. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to try to earn it myself. I'm going I'm to go work hard and deserve I'm going to work my way to Jesus. God's grace will be here for you every day. God's grace will be here for you tomorrow. The problem is I can't promise that you will. God's grace will never go away. One day you will. So will you accept the gift today? Will you realize you can't earn it and you don't deserve it? And then it's a gift wrapped right here that God would love the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, as a gift of grace. Not because you earned it or deserve it. In fact, you were a sinner far from God. And in the midst of your rebellion and my rebellion, God sent his son, Jesus, to die. What a, what a story. What an opportunity. There's a pastor out in California, uh, wrote a book named Francis Chan, wrote a bunch of books. He's a great, great leader and speaker and I heard him tell a story of, of one day that he taught his daughter what grace really was. I thought it was interesting. Um, he said they had a high standard in their family uh, for grades, academically speaking. Like their, their girls knew, uh, you, got, you got to do the work, study hard, and make good grades. And one day in particular, their high school daughter came home and dad picked her up from school and uh, said, Dad, I, uh, I failed a test today. Not, not just like C or D, like I made an F. And he said, and they knew that was unacceptable in our family. And the reality was the night before they knew they had a test and they, they knew they should have been studying, but they chose to do something else, hang out with some friends, go somewhere. And, and so they, 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 they totally messed up. And she admitted that to her dad. I should have studied. I, I knew I had this test and I knew I wasn't ready, but did something else instead. And I, I go to school today and I fail it. And I just want to let you know I failed this test today. So uh, Francis, her dad said, let's go to the mall. Takes her to the mall. Takes her to her favorite clothing store walks his daughter in there and he says, I want you to pick out an outfit for you, just whatever you want. Great outfit. Obviously, she doesn't know what's going on. She's like, out, like what? <laughs> I just failed a test. Like, is this, is this the outfit I'm going to be buried in tomorrow? Or what? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, what? <laughs> Am I getting ready to look good in this casket? Or what's the deal? So whatever you want, get whatever outfit. After that, he took her out to a really nice restaurant to eat dinner that night. He said, whatever you want, steak, lobster, whatever, appetizers, whatever you want, get it. And the whole time, I was like, this is my last meal. This is what it means to have a last meal on death row. After dinner, before they got home, she was already up past her bedtime. Shouldn't have been up that late. And on the way home, uh, her dad looked at her and said, you want some ice cream? Yeah, I love ice cream. <laughs> you want some? Let's go. 
Walks in the door, said, get whatever you want. Waffle cone, two scoops, all the toppings, everything. And by this time, like, she's nervous. She can't figure it out. They get back in the car, and she's like, all right, Dad, like, what's the deal? What's going on here? I, I came home, and I told you that I failed a test. And you took me, you bought me new clothes, and you took me to my favorite restaurant, and we ate ice cream way past my bedtime. What's the deal? I didn't deserve this. Like, I failed the test. I disobeyed you. I knew the standard that you had for our family, and I didn't meet it. And he said, yep, and I want to teach you what grace is. You didn't deserve that, that, that new outfit, but I gave it to you. That's grace. You, you, you didn't deserve that steak dinner tonight, but I gave it to you. That's grace. That ice cream, you didn't earn that. You didn't deserve that at all. I gave it to you. That's grace. And he looked at his daughter and said, Jesus has done the exact same thing for you. In the midst of your sin and running away, we are broken by it and have to admit that we are not perfect people. And God says, you know what? I got you a gift. You messed up. You did the wrong thing. You did not do what I asked you to do. I got something for you. His name's Jesus. I'm going to send him to the world because I love you so much. And I want to reconcile the relationship with you. So even though you deserve something so much worse, I'm going to give you something that is so good. That's grace. Paul says that's the only way you get in. That's what this whole faith is built on. You miss that, then you miss everything about who Jesus is. You miss your eternity, if it's anything but a gift from God that is his grace. So here we go. This Sunday, just like every other Sunday, I wrapped a gift. I showed you what it looks like. And God says, here you go. You want it? All you got to do is receive it. All you got to do is accept it. All you got to do is take it. Spoiler alert. Next Sunday's sermon, it's going to be about grace. And the gift will be wrapped up. And God's grace will still be there. I don't know if you will, though. Why don't you accept it today? Wrap your mind around what Jesus has done for you and how much God loves you, that you do not earn it, that you do not deserve. It is a complete gift. And that right there will change your life today. Let me pray for you. What a gift, Lord. My goodness. In a world where everybody is striving and straining and working and trying to earn their way and trying to do the right thing and you step in the midst of a world that believes that and says, nah, it is just by my grace. What a gift. God, I pray that you would give us the, the wisdom right now to know what to do with the words that we have just heard, to see the incredible gift that has been unwrapped in front of us right now and receive it. No strings attached. Receive the gift. God, I'm confident we do that today. It'll change our life. It'll change our attitude. It'll change the way we think, the way we treat others, the way we respond to you. God, it changes everything. God, help us right now to embrace grace. Embrace it for the first time. Embrace it again as a reminder of how much you love us and your plan to save the world. God, ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.